Hi, this is my dad's podcast, Power Time. What's up, Power Players? Welcome back to the Power Time Podcast, an unofficial Nintendo retrospective for gamers of all ages. I'm your host, Tom Tate. I will be taking you on a journey through the history of Nintendo, one issue of Nintendo Power at a time. So I'm going to say unofficial now because Nintendo recently released their official Nintendo Power Podcast, and it's pretty great. I listened to it. I thought it was a really good show. Uh, They only have one episode, I believe, and Uh, It's enjoyable. So if you want to check it out, definitely do that. Uh, I have high hopes for this podcast. So the previous episode captures a lot of great Switch moments, but it also has this interview with the creators of Breath of the Wild. And it made me realize that only an official Nintendo podcast is going to get access to all of this great content that you're just not going to be able to find anywhere else. So if you enjoy this show, which kind of takes a look back at the olden days of Nintendo, you'll probably like the official Nintendo podcast. So definitely check that out. Uh, You can just search for Nintendo Power Podcast on iTunes or uh, Google Play Music or wherever you listen to podcasts. So I do hope that everyone had an incredible holiday season. If you celebrated a holiday, uh, we at my house, we celebrate Christmas. Uh, Santa brought us the norovirus. So we had a fun stomach bug that just kind of uh, ripped through uh, half of the family. My wife and I were super sick the past week, which was a total bummer uh, because Christmas is one of my favorite holidays and I really enjoy it. A lot of family time. Uh, my dad is a huge family uh, on his side, so we typically get together and uh, have a, a really good time, but we had to cancel our plans. Uh, I did feel pretty good on Christmas Day, so I was able to kind of keep the spirits high for my kids. Uh, so my kids had a fantastic day. They had an awesome day, which was great. And as long as they're happy, I'm happy. Uh, but my wife and I were definitely suffering uh, this past week. Uh, not fun. Uh, so uh, hopefully you've been spared of any tragedies or any sicknesses uh, this past holiday season and you enjoyed yourself. I will say the one benefit of being stuck in bed was I was able to prepare for the next proper episode of Power Time. So we'll, we'll be covering the next issue of Nintendo Power. Uh, I had a chance to play a lot of Skyrim on Switch, which is a really fantastic experience on Switch. So if you've never played Skyrim, if you have a PC that can handle it and, and play it well with mods and things like that, you might enjoy that better. But if you like the portability of the Switch, it's a really great port. So I'm really happy that Bethesda kind of came out swinging with their support for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I've been enjoying that game so much, uh, and I'm looking forward to playing a few other Bethesda games as well. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Uh, And I'm really excited about this. I actually, over the holiday, inherited an original Game Boy Advance. And I had one back in the day, but I have no idea what happened to it. And I had an SP as well, but I, I can't seem to remember what happened to that either. Uh, I probably sold it or traded it at some point, uh, thinking that I wouldn't need a Game Boy Advance because there was backwards compatibility on the DS at the time. And now I have a 3DS that doesn't have Game Boy Advance compatibility. So uh, I inherited an old school original Game Boy Advance, and I'm planning to mod this uh, with a backlight LCD screen and a USB battery pack. So I just got all the materials 
uh, ordered. So I'm really excited. I might document that, share that a little bit, uh, and share that on Twitter because uh, I'm excited. I like modding things. Uh, I like kind of tooling around with stuff. So that should be fun. So that's what I've been up to. That's what I've been playing. I would absolutely love to know what you've been playing. So you can tweet me which games I should be checking out. I'm sure there's a lot that I should be checking out that I'm not. So if you're really enjoying a great game on a Nintendo console, definitely hit me up on Twitter at Yo Powertime, Y-O Powertime, or you can email me, Tom at PowertimePodcast.com. So before we, we begin this episode, I just want to give a quick shout out to New Game Plus Podcast. And I want to give a shout out to the hosts of that show, Kenny, Dustin, and Nolan. So this is a fantastic show where three guys, they randomly pick one retro game. So it's a game that has to, I I believe it has to be released uh, 15 years or older. So they'll pick one game at random, they'll play it for a week, and then they'll, they'll talk about it. They'll talk about how it aged, the gameplay mechanics, they'll talk a little bit about the history, the impact that it had on its genre or the industry, and then they'll talk about whether or not they believe that it should be a game that you would enjoy in 2017 or whenever. And I like it because you have three different opinions. Sometimes they agree, sometimes they don't, uh, but they have a great uh, selection of games, not always the greatest games. And I like that too, because it's not covering just the best of the best, but it's really looking at all different types of games that were released over different consoles uh, in different uh, genres. And it's a ton of fun. Uh, it's, it's a great podcast. And I've actually been able to get involved with this podcast. I've been assisting with the editing of the show. So each week I get to chop up the raw files, which has been a lot of fun for me. Uh, I've been working on my editing chops and then I get a sneak preview of what retro game they'll be discussing next. So it's nice to kind of get that sneak peek. Uh, well, anyways, they've built up a fantastic community as well. Uh, so I've been really impressed uh, with their ability to Uh, engage their fan base. Uh, I've I've taken some cues from them uh, because they've done such a fantastic job. And recently, uh, this is why I want to give these guys a shout out. Dustin had sent me a copy of Doom for Switch. Uh, This is another Bethesda game that I'm really, really excited to play. And I mentioned it once or twice uh, to these guys and they just sent me a Christmas gift. And I thought that was really, really generous. Uh, So I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to Kenny, Dustin, and Nolan from New Game Plus. Uh, I've been super ecstatic to get involved with the show. You guys didn't have to do that. You didn't have to send me a gift, uh, but I do appreciate it. And I will play the heck out of that game. Uh, So thank you. If you haven't checked out New Game Plus, I will have a link in the show notes. uh, You can check it out. So today we actually have a quick episode. This is the full interview with Chris Johnston of the Player One Podcast. Again, this is another one of my favorite podcasts. I never miss a week with this one. And it looks like this episode is turning into kind of a podcast love fest. I've already talked about New Game Plus, the Nintendo, the official Nintendo Power Podcast, and now Player One Podcast. But I, I love listening to a lot of shows, uh, but there are only a few that I never miss every single week. And Player One Podcast is one of those. I listen to it religiously. Uh, Chris Johnston is the host of that show. He's also the director of Games Creative at Adult Swim Games. And previously, he worked at EGM as an editor, and he wrote a ton of of reviews uh, for magazines and different publications and different websites. He's really just an all-around great person to follow for video game journalism and commentary and content. So I'm going to have full links in the show notes so that you can check him out and you can check out their podcast as well. But we're going to jump right into this quick interview where we talk about the summer CES back in 1991. And we'll talk about how an ambitious 14-year-old managed to snag a free Super Nintendo. 
So real quick, just a note, uh, this was recorded back, I want to say like November 1st. So I've been sitting on this for a while, but it lined up so perfectly with the Battletoads episode that we cut uh, last week. So I wanted to hold it and kind of line it up with when we start talking about the Super Nintendo's reveal and CES. And uh, I'm really excited to have CJ share his story with you. So let's jump into this interview and I'll be back in a week or so uh, with the next proper episode of Power Time. I am super excited. I want to welcome Chris C.J. Johnston to the show. Chris, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, totally. So just for context uh, for the listeners, I want to explain real quickly why I wanted to invite you onto this particular episode. So Power Time Podcast, we are walking through the history of Nintendo by diving into each issue of Nintendo Power in chronological order. So we started out back in 1988. Uh, We're uh, currently in year 1991. Uh, So we are in the year which sees the release of the Super Nintendo. And as a big fan and loyal listener of Player One Podcast, I've heard you tell this story of how you were able to see the Super Nintendo during its kind of pre-launch phase, and then also how you were able to get one for yourself. And it's a really awesome story. So I wanted to invite you to share that with more Nintendo fans out there. So... (laughs) If, if you're if you're cool with that, we'll take that time machine back to 91 uh, and I'll kick things off with my first question, which was, you know, what was life like back in 1991 for a young Chris Johnston? You know, how old were you at that time? Uh, if you don't mind revealing your age, uh, do you remember <laughs> what you were gaming on? Like, do you remember, did you have Nintendo? Did you have Genesis as well? Like, what was what was what was your worldview at the moment? Well, I'm very old. But in 1991, I was 14. It's awesome. <laughs> so I was uh, a young gamer. I was um, primarily a Sega Genesis fan at that time, actually. Okay. I had grown up with the NES and uh, read the Nintendo Fun Club News and Nintendo Power religiously, um, and then moved to the Sega Genesis when that after that came out, actually around the time that Sonic the Hedgehog came out, so in 1991. So yeah, that that was what I was playing, and I think I was in junior high. Okay, cool. At the time, yeah. So that that Sega marketing campaign really drew you in back then. Oh yes, it did. Genesis does what Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, Genesis don't. does what Nintendo don't. <laughs> and uh, I I know that you know I think I stumbled upon years ago uh, that you produced this self published magazine, which is really awesome, mm. very retro, called Paradox. Uh, back mm, I guess true ninety ninety two ish. Um, and we could probably do a full interview just on kind of the, your early self-publishing days. But I'm curious, back in 91, were you actively creating video game content uh, at that time? No, I was not. Um, I didn't find out about that until much later. There was a magazine called Video Games and Computer Entertainment. And that magazine had an article about fanzines, which were nice. you know little newsletters written by regular people regular gamers. So I read that column and it was like, Hey, I can do that. I think I can do that anyway. And, uh, started up a zine of my own. And yeah, that's kind of how I got uh, a job at electronic gaming monthly as well. There's a whole series of events there, but, uh, back in 1991, I was not writing about video games. I was, uh, actually in a summer program at our local cable access channel, they had like a teens learning how to use the equipment at the local access channel sort of class in the summer. And I took that and uh, that 
led me to get a media badge for the 1991 Summer Consumer Electronics Show, which was nice. Yeah, and I want to I want to dig into that uh, because we've been covering the previous CES shows and a couple of the older issues, uh, and it's an exciting issue to stumble upon when they start to reveal uh, a lot of these new titles that are coming out, new technology coming out. And I'm in my early 30s, so I really grew up watching E3 coverage year after year. Mm. CES was like a little bit before my time, and I was reading Nintendo Power, but I don't think I I knew like what it actually was. So for any listener who doesn't know. Uh, the Consumer Electronics Show. It's kind of the precursor for E3. And uh, somehow, you know, at age 13, you know, through your local uh, cable access classes, you managed to get into this event, which was in Chicago. And I'm really curious if you could share with us, how did you actually make that happen? Like, how did a 14-year-old manage to get in, uh, get into this event? Well, I had asked the people at the cable access channel if I could you know, register as press and maybe I'd take my camcorder, the family camcorder down to the show and shoot some footage for them and they might be able to use it at some point. Um, and they said, yeah, sure, go ahead. And I had uh, little business cards made, um, you know, at any sort of printing company, you can get a box of business cards for fairly cheap and uh, did that, was able to get a media badge at that time, it actually looked like a credit card. It, it was on plastic. It wasn't like the uh, the paper E3 badges that oh, we sure. get now. Um, and went to the show with my dad. That's awesome. Uh, do you remember yeah. the kind of Super Famicom pre-hype that was happening in Nintendo Power issue after issue? Oh, I do. Definitely. So, I remember all of that because I also read EGM at the time and followed uh, the the genesis of the super nintendo so to speak uh, sure 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 <laughs> and uh you know all the coverage of super mario world and everything i just uh i thought it looked awesome so yeah i was uh, i was following along in the magazines for sure so you knew uh somewhat what you were walking into uh do you have any first impressions that you remember kind of walking walking into nintendo's space and, and seeing what they had on display yeah i remember um, going in, they had sort of a an inner dome area where they had Super Mario World running on a bunch of different stations. And I remember playing it and thinking it looked super awesome and was exactly the sort of evolution of Mario that I wanted at that time. And then, of course, right across the aisle, there was Sega with the Genesis and the Sega CD. And that was uh, awesome, too. And uh, actually, I think maybe they just had Sonic that year. Um, that was the big thing. And I played that at the show and loved the colors and the blast processing. And uh, I was I was taken in by that as well. But Nintendo's display, especially looking at the the boxy Super NES for the U.S. market, uh, it was it was super impressive. And it it was uh, it was great because it was my first E3 or first CES, and uh, I was seeing all of these things before anybody else. And it, it, uh, it felt awesome. It's like I'd been reading about all this stuff and, uh, suddenly here it is right in front of me. It was great. Do, do you think that sort of planted the seed for you that, you know, maybe, you know, this was kind of a career path that you would want to pursue? Um, or was that already I don't planted? Know. I think it was already planted. Um, I had, uh, prior to this, I had applied for a job at Electronic Gaming Monthly 
didn't get it because I was 14. <laughs> sure. Uh, no surprise there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I applied to it. It was in uh, our local paper. EGM at the time was located in the Chicago area, as were a number of other video game companies like Konami and Midway and Jalico. And there were a bunch in Chicago. And EGM was there as well. And they had a help wanted ad in the classified section of our local newspaper. And just kind of as a lark, kind of as a funny thing. A funny thing, I applied. <laughs> yeah, that's all. and they called me and scheduled an interview. And <laughs> of course, I, I went there, and uh, my mom drove me, and they saw that I was fourteen, and just gave me a tour of the office, and uh, that was that. But uh, I, I kind of knew that uh, I wanted to do something in video games. I thought writing about video games uh, would be fun, but I really didn't know how to get into that space, which I guess is part of why I signed up for the public access channel sure. class and uh, thought maybe that was a way in. And I, I have uh, one uh, just quick question about this particular CES. Did you start to feel that the NES was beginning to be overshadowed after seeing the Super Nintendo? Did you feel like that was the beginning of the end for that console? Oh, yeah. 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 I had long since, uh, you know, playing Genesis, of course. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And of course, uh, you know, the big the big story is how did you eventually end up getting your first Super Nintendo console after this show? So I uh, I'd gone to CES and they had uh, media kits and those were available in the press room. It was just a big binder of everything that Nintendo was showing at the show and press releases on each thing. So um, and it in even included things like uh, black and white pictures that you could use if you were a print magazine or a newspaper. And uh, they even included things like slides. And I think on some of the video game history websites, um, people have gotten a hold of these sorts of materials. But uh, you could, yeah, get a slide in the folder as well. And they all had um, phone numbers of Nintendo's PR company, uh, Golan Harris at the time. And uh, I think it wasn't until the 1992 CES that I, I went back to that show and got a media kit and, uh, inside the media kit, they had a little sheet that said, uh, you know, if you need review copies of anything, please contact us at, at this phone number. And, uh, I thought, Hey, wouldn't that be neat if I was able, cause I, I didn't have a super Nintendo. I didn't get a super Nintendo at launch and uh, was was super interested in in playing Mario. I, I rented one from uh, the local uh, video rental place sure. uh, back when they rented video game systems. But I never uh, I never owned one and thought, oh, you know, I'm gonna have to save up my own money to get one. And I already had the Genesis, and it was a very difficult thing to convince your parents back in the early '90s that they should buy you another video game system after they just bought. Uh, or after you just bought a Sega Genesis. So I thought, you know, it's saying in this media kit that I should just call if I want a review unit. And at the time I had started a a fanzine. Okay. And um, thought, you know, well, let's see, let's see what happens. And uh, so I called them up and asked to speak with the, the press contact that was in the news release. And I said that I had spoken with them at CES and that they had said to give them a call if I needed a review unit. And so that's what I was doing. 
And I said that I wrote for a, a local video game newsletter, which at the time I was even um, giving that out at uh, video stores. I would ask the video store if they would put it on their front desk. And uh, so I had written reviews of uh, Genesis games and games that I had, had rented. And uh, they sent me a box. I, I didn't. I specifically asked about the Super Nintendo. Yeah. And uh, and Zelda. But they sent me a box of a bunch of Nintendo goodies. <laughs> That's incredible. That is like yeah. every kid's dream. Uh, and, you know, from the sound of it, you seem to be like the boldest 14 year old of all time, you know, just asking for things and getting them. I mean, I it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing. Pretty fantastic. I don't I don't even know why they <laughs> why they did this. But and they they said also that I would have to send it back after a period of time. Sure. sure. Which I said uh, was totally fine. Um. But yeah, in, inside the box, there was a Super Nintendo with Super Mario World and Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, as well as an NES and a copy of Yoshi, the uh, very crappy puzzle game Yep, for the NES, and a Game Boy oh, as cool. well. Wow. So I got one of the old, uh, you know, the white the uh, original size. style. Yeah. The yeah, full-size brick, yep. And uh, they never asked for it back. So I I still have all that stuff today. I still have the the second NES and um, the Game Boy and the Super NES uh, is is the one that I still have today. And although I do have a uh, a redesigned Super Nintendo oh, as well cool. that I bought at that later time. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great yeah. story. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. I, if you have a minute, I have two flash round questions, uh, sure. unrelated to CES, and then we'll wrap things up. Sounds good. So first uh, kind of quick question is, what is one dormant franchise, and this could be any publisher, it doesn't have to be Nintendo, that you would really like to see revived on the Switch? It's kind of a question I ask everyone on the show, just because I'm always curious. Hmm, Nintendo-specific franchise? It, it doesn't have to be Nintendo. Uh, it could be a third party. Hmm, I think most of the franchises that I like have come back. That's a tough one. <laughs> it's That's tough. A really it's tough. tough. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll ask a different question then. You don't have to answer that one. Um, okay, I'll think I'll think about that one while you ask a different one. Uh, if you had your wish, we know that uh, Retro Studios is working on something. Uh, so if yeah. you had your wish, uh, what would you prefer them to be working on? Between Donkey Kong and Metroid, I assume. Well, I mean, I guess it would be a different Metroid than Prime Four, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I would like to see them do something completely new. I think we've sort of put them in the box of they can do Metroid Prime, they can do Donkey Kong Country. I just wonder what the talent of that studio could do without uh, without a limitation. Sure. Um, and, you know, Next Level Games brought back uh, Punch-Out and uh, Luigi's Mansion 2. Yep, yep. Uh, you know, it'd be fun to, to see... I don't know. A uh, new take on something or a completely original game. I, you know, on Switch, we're getting a lot of N Nintendo favorites. We got a lot of Nintendo favorites this year. I'd, I'd kind of like to see what what else we got from some of these uh, well-known teams. I mean, I think some of the games, the new IP that we've gotten from Nintendo, like Splatoon um, and ARMS, have just been really great. And I want to see more of that from uh from studios like Retro and like Next Level. Next Level, yeah, I totally agree. I think a new IP in the 
kind of action adventure vein would be really interesting. Uh, you know, not necessarily a Zelda, but you know, something that is as fun as Zelda. Totally. They could uh, revive Star Tropics and make it good. I just talked about that on the last episode because it was Star <laughs> Tropics, the Star Tropics issue. Um, and it's so weird that we never returned. Nintendo never returned to that uh, environment, that world. Uh, yeah. Even, you know, e- even in Smash Brothers, you know, as a kind of playable character. So uh, mm. describe Mario Odyssey in one word. Amazing. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> that would be my word. Perfect. Um <laughs> And uh, my final question, of course, is uh, where's the best place for people to find you and also Player One Podcast on the internet? Well, you can find me on Twitter. I am at SuperPac. That's S-U-P-E-R-P-A-C, like Super Pac-Man. And Player One Podcast, you can find at, on the internet at playeronepodcast.com. Yeah, and I'll link that up in the show notes uh, for easy accessibility. And again, uh, CJ, I just want to thank you so much for hanging out. Uh, Thank you for sharing that story. And uh, this is my shameless plug for everyone who's listening. If you're not already subscribed to Player One Podcast, definitely go do so. Uh, You'll hear more stories like this and you'll hear commentary on kind of the state of games and, you know, what... Uh, Chris, Ethan, Phil, and Greg have been playing these days. Uh, Really great group. Uh, Thank you guys for the time and and effort you put into the show each week uh, because I know you have a ton of listeners and uh, we all greatly appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for listening and thanks, Tom. This has been great. Yeah, thanks again. Thanks for dropping by and I'll talk to you soon. 